Well, good evening, church. How you going? Tell me nothing about it here, sir. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Someone prophesy in your prayer language for a second, will you? To your neighbor. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've got a prophetic word for you, church. God loves you. There you go. Powerful. I'm just flowing in that powerful prophetic anointing right now. I can feel it. Woo! Well, man, who was here Friday night? Man, who catched? Who, who catched? Who catched the young guns preaching? Man, Jackson, Miranda, Brendan, Christian, the boys were just shooting out amazing prophetic stuff. Well, not prophetic. Well, everything. It was just awesome. Some great revelation. I would encourage you to catch that if you missed it. Um, Man, and we, man, let's all, let's look to live stream. I know we saw Pastor Kay on the screen there, but let's just uh, reach our hands back there for a minute. Let's just, um, I'm not sure if Pastor Kay's already ministered tonight, but if she hasn't, let's just pray. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, right now for a release of your presence and your power in a new way. God, we thank you for increase over Pastor Catherine. Lord, as she ministers tonight, we just thank you for all you've already done. And we pray for more in Jesus' mighty name. Whoa, and everyone said, yes, amen. Woo-wee. Can you say, woo-wee? <laughs> you guys are awesome. Man, what a gorgeous looking church. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you look gorgeous. <laughs> Is that an exclusively Australian term? I'm not sure. <laughs> you look gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, right? All right. Man. Well, tonight, oh, actually, we've got to pray, don't we? Yes, pray for tonight. Close your eyes, hold hands, come on, come on, church. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you've got something to say to every person here, God, and that your, your word doesn't return void, but it accomplishes everything that you have purposed it to do, God. And I thank you tonight, Father, for everything that I say, that the seeds of your word are going to be implanted in our hearts, God, and that what you want people to hear, they're going to hear. And I thank you, Father, for we expect results, we expect fruit from it in Jesus' mighty name. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you in the room freshly right now. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so the last little while, um, man, I received a, a, a couple of weeks back, actually, I just received like three prophecies in the space of like just a very short period of time. And how many know when that kind of happens, it gets your attention? It's like, <laughs> maybe I'm hard of hearing and God needs to like, you know, he's just trying to, he's trying to get your attention. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, one of these in particular, one of these words, they were all awesome, but one of them um, spoke about this idea, it's like Aaron, and it was actually to my wife as well, Beck, Aaron, it's time to go deeper with the Lord. Now, how many, who's ever got a word like that before? Who's actually feeling that right now, actually? Who's been sensing that? Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's right. Right, so, and so like, so I'm like, yes, cool, Lord, time to go deeper. Now, what do you automatically think of when you get a word like that? Go deeper, yeah. But, but, but what, is, what does it mean? Uh, right, so that's exactly right. So I'm like, okay, so, and I, as from, I don't know if you guys caught my last message with the sword and all the stuff, but God's been challenging me about doing more time in the Word and more time with prayer. And I'm like, God, there's only so much time you can use though in a day, right? Eventually, 
that ability to go deep is going to run dry. It's going to get capped, right? So there's got to be more. Although that's good stuff, right? So I'm like, so I was asking the Lord, okay, like, Lord, what does it mean? What's it look like for me in this season to go deeper with you? Right? And so then, you know, over the next little while, I started noticing little themes that were popping up. Who has that happen to them as well? It's like, you're like asking God and then just pay it. I mean, I think Bill Johnson actually says it, you know, when you ask God a question, then over the next couple of weeks, pay attention to like the, the highlights or the things that just kind of come up in the sermons you're listening to or the conversations. And so for me, the, the, the thing that seemed to be highlighted was this idea of love. Oh, love. Come on. That was amazing. Good job. Perfect timing. Now, so there was this idea. And so this theme of God's love. And I actually felt like God said to me in my, my prayer time, he said, Aaron, love is the key. What did Pastor James say tonight? The key is being released tonight. Whoo, Shabbat. Revelation's being released tonight. You ought to be saying, be it unto me, Lord. Right. He said to me, love is the key. And I'm like, yeah, that, yeah cool, Lord. Yep, love is the key. I know that. <laughs> Been a Christian for a while. Love is the key. It's like, that's cool, but, you know, but like, give me the good stuff. Like, give me the, give me the deep stuff. Where's it at? I want to go deeper, God. And he's like, he's like, Aaron, love is the key. <laughs> it reminds me of, I think, Pastor Catherine was talking about that one. She's got a story when she was at a teacher's retreat and everyone had to go away and hear from God and come back and share. And she went away and like all God would say to her the whole time was, I love you. Whew. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, no, no, that's cool. But she's like, no, no, I need something deep, God. He's like, I love you. Everyone say, I love you. Mm, that's deep. Mm. And he started to show me, though, right, all, all joking aside, that, that love isn't just a nice feeling that, that you feel inside that comforts you as you're going through a difficult season. Right? It is. But God's love is way bigger than that. Like, I believe the Bible says that, like, the love of God is actually the key to not only going deeper, but it's the key to the Christian life. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo! So what are we talking about? We're talking about love, right? Now, in, in, the, um, in the Greek, that's the word I'm looking for. The Greek word for love, when it says God is love, it's a word. Anyone know what it is? Shout it out if you know it. Agape. That's right. <laughs> Agape. Now let's have a look at this word. Agape. That's right. <laughs> that's the Macedonian translation for your name. Uh, agape. What does it say? Agape could be defined as charity. However, we often think of charity nowadays as giving away money or things, which doesn't encompass all of what agape is about. Read this part with me. Agape love is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. So agape love, or what I've, I would call a God kind of love, is a selfless love that is concerned with the greatest good of another. Are you guys with me? Amen. Now 1 John 4.8 says that God is... Right, say it one more time. God is... All right, so essentially, now that same word is agape. So we could say God is agape. Everyone say that. God is agape. Whew. In other words, God's selfless, selfless love 
whose highest priority is your greatest good. Man, God is selfless love whose highest priority is your greatest good. Come on, say it again. (laughs) I'm going to preach myself happy. That's right. So my question is, what is your picture of God, though? Because this is going to change everything. Is it a picture of a selfless God whose highest concern is your greatest good? Is it? Because if it's not, I want to propose that perhaps your idea of God needs an upgrade. Whew. Whew. Now, the word used in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Everyone probably knows that. It's the real famous um, chapter on love. That's actually agape as well. Now, if God is love, that means God is agape, which means we can transfer that word for here right now. And we're going to have a look at this. But I actually need a volunteer. Who do we choose? Oh, Trevor, just come come on, mate. Come on. (laughs) It's the front row. These guys always... It was a bit more dangerous when I had the sword, wasn't it? It was like... (laughs) All right, now, now think about this. This is our demonstration. Because we all know this, right? Yes, God is love, love is patient, blah, blah, blah. We, we, all, we all know it. But think about this. Now, we're going we're gonna to say that this is who God is, right? Because God is agape. And now we're going to make it personal to Trevor. Because this is how it is for you. So let's say this together. That God is patient with Trevor. Come on. But come on. God is kind to Trevor. Now think about this. What does kindness actually look like? Think about that for a second. It's like, yeah, God is kind. But kindness, right? Kindness is a big deal. I hear a lot of people talk about God and they don't really refer to Him as very kind. But God is kindness. You know, kindness is one of those powerful forces. I mean, Beck was picking up a kebab for me today like an amazing wife while I was busy preparing. And you know what she commented on? Wow, the lady that served me was so kind. She's like, how can I help you? Like, a lady just serving her when Beck's trying to order a kebab for a hungry husband. She was taken aback by the kindness of a stranger. God is kindness to Trevor. Everyone say, God is kindness to Trevor. I expect a few kebabs. (laughs) Expect some kebabs, that's right. God is not jealous or boastful or proud, and God is not rude to Trevor. Everyone say that. God is not rude to Trevor. Whew. That's a good one. God does not demand his own way with Trevor. Think about that. He's like the, the ultimate being, the, the ultimate kind of, if anyone had the right to kind of say how it should be, it's God. Do we agree? But God is agape love, and that means that God will not demand his way of Trevor. Or of you. Right? Now, what is it? God is not irritable with Trevor. Come on, yeah. <laughs> right? God keeps no record of Trevor's wrongs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God does not rejoice about injustice that's done to Trevor, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Come on. God never gives up on Trevor. He never loses faith in Trevor. He is always hopeful about Trevor. 
and he endures through every circumstance with Trevor. Thank you, Pastor Barry. I needed to help with it. All right, come on, let's bless Pastor, oh, Pastor Trevor. Oh, wait. <laughs> come on. But think about this. Like, you've got to kind of personalize this stuff sometimes, you know what? The gospel is designed to be taken personally. That's where its power is. All right. Man, that is, now, that is agape love. Everyone say agape love. One more time. Now, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how do you do this? Everyone say, how do you do this? Because, <laughs> you know, you can only do this because God has first loved you. The only reason you can do that is because it was God who first loved you. 1 John 4, 19, Amplified says, We love because He first what? We love because He first loved us. Oh, the reason you can love Him and anyone else is because He first loved you. Whew. I mean, that's the thing I thought. I was like, man, we didn't start this, right? God's the originator of this, of this relationship. He's the one that instigated this relationship with us. Huh. I mean, to me, that kind of takes a bit of the pressure off. It's like, cool. All right, this was God's idea. Everyone says God's idea. <laughs> right? That's good. The origin of your capacity to love God and other people is found in God's great love for you. Whew. 1 John 4.10 says in the New King James, in this is love. Not that we loved God. All right? In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. All right, so what's the emphasis when the Bible's trying to explain or the author's trying to explain, hey, this is love. Not that you love him. No, no, that's not what love is. That's not this love. It's that he loved you. Catch the emphasis. Woo. You know, I, I believe that God does not expect you to love people in your own self-effort. Because I think that's impossible. To love people with a God kind of love. He's not expecting you to love beyond the capacity of love that you've experienced. Because you can't. You can do the human love, all those ones. And you know, some of them aren't too shabby. Right? For real. But he won't expect you to love beyond what you have first been loved by him. Whew. Man, you know what his expectation is? Let me give it to you. God's like, hey there, let me love you. Come and find out what I'm like. Right? Or like Paul said, pray for power and strength to comprehend. Hello, revelation. Everyone say revelation. Just how much I love you. Pray for strength to understand how much I love you, right? And as you begin to understand, everyone say understand, and experience, everyone say experience, this love, then and only then do you have the capacity to give this same love back to God and to other people. Now think about this for a second. 
The driving force here isn't your ability. What's the driving force that's going to get the job done? It's God's love. Man, somebody praise God for his love, will you? Come on. Now think about this. Now 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, and love. Now look at this, love. Unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is? Right. Whew. How many of you know that your love can grow? How many of you know our love needs to grow? Turn to your neighbor and say, your love needs to grow. <laughs> Unless you're married to them, that's the problem you've had. <laughs> then maybe don't. <laughs> now repeat this after me. My love for God and others is growing in the fertile soil of God's rich love for me. All right, 1 John 4, 18 and 19. It says, there is no fear in. Dread does not exist there, but perfect, complete, full-grown. Say complete and full-grown. Love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment, now catch this, is not perfected in love. Say perfected in love. And now what's that trying to say? has not grown into a sufficient understanding. Say sufficient understanding. Now say revelation of God's love. (laughs) We love, again, because he first... Okay, now think about this for a second. If you're looking at your life and you're like, I am not currently perfected in love. Anyone in the room that could agree with that statement? Well, that's a surprisingly small amount of hands. There's a whole lot of perfecting. I'm more alone than I thought. This is a, woo. You know, when you preach a message, you think it's for other people. It's actually, no. Turns out that was a personal message to me, no. And I think about this, though. If you're not perfected in love, the thing that needs to grow, okay, it's not your ability, but what needs to go? Your, un- ah, let's say it again, understanding, which could be called revelation of what? Of God's love for you. If you're not perfected in love, it's because you don't quite understand yet. Or maybe you just haven't quite grasped the fullness of it yet to a place where it's sufficient so that you're not afraid. Now think about this. This is actually, this should be really good news, right? If you struggle to love God, right? If you struggle to love others or even love yourself, I want to suggest that it's not a competence issue for you. There is nothing uniquely wrong with you or your ability to love. You've been wired for it. What is lacking maybe is an amount of revelation, period, Revelation of what? Not like how great you ought to be, but how amazing this love that God has for you is. And if it's lacking, what do we do? Man, love is the key, Aaron, right? If it's not there, not try harder, do better, Aaron. 
Because what's that going to do? <laughs> Works, it's going to make me feel, it'll, you know, I might do okay for a nanosecond. But that's also, that's not where the power, everyone say power. That's not where the power of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't release the power of the Holy Spirit to actually change me, to be what I couldn't be apart from that, right? Whew. Everyone say, renew your mind. Ah. Oh. Man, it just means your understanding of God's love is yet to be sufficiently developed. That is really good news. That should be really good news for us. Man. You know, God's answer is to that, to the lack in your life or your seeming inability is let me love you. Where's the emphasis, right? I get in my prayer room, ha, ah, I'm not perfected in love. Well, let me love you, Aaron. You know, you know, it's like take some time to consider. How do you renew your mind? Right? You read the Word of God. Grab some scriptures about what the Bible says God is like, not what you've heard God is like. It's important. What does the Bible say God is like? And take some time to ponder it. Think about it. It kind of might, I know if you're like me, you might be like, it's kind of a bit selfish to spend my entire prayer time just thinking about God's thought, what God's thoughts are to me. But what if that's like the single most catalytic thing you could do <laughs> for your life as a believer? Whew. Hmm. And ask him for help, man, to comprehend it, right? If Paul can pray it, so can we. God, give us the ability to comprehend your love. Let's do that for a second. Put your hands there. Come on. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you as believers, as beautiful, gorgeous sons and daughters. Lord, we thank you, Father, that for we ask. Now, come on. You pray too. If, you got, if you're feeling like, we pray, Holy Spirit, for the grace, Lord, and the, the strength to contain and handle how you feel about us. How you feel about us individually, God. We thank you for it tonight. Yeah. All right. Now, some of you might be thinking, this love stuff is a little bit wishy-washy. I know you're out there somewhere. <laughs> it's a little bit, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit emotional. You know, I'm more of a practical kind of guy. Or gal. So, <laughs> all right. You know, it's like, I got a business to run, I got a family to feed, I got a job to do. I, you know, I can't be sitting around thinking about how much God loves me all day and soaking and praying and just reading my Bible. You know? But I want to suggest to you this that growing in the love of God is the very key to gaining understanding and insight on how to live out the practical details of your life. Now, stay with me. Let me say that one more time. Growing in the love of God. Say growing. In the love of God is the key to gaining understanding and insight on how to practically live out your life. All right. Now, let's have a look at a scripture. Philippians 1, 9 and 10. Let's have a look at what this says. And this I pray that your love or your agape may abound. Everyone say abound. More and more displaying itself in greater depth in real knowledge. Everyone say real knowledge. real knowledge. And in practical insight. 
Now, in the Passion, it says, I continue to pray for your love to grow. Say, love to grow. Woo. And increase beyond measure, bringing you into a rich revelation of spiritual insight into all things. Now, let's go into the footnotes, because Brian Simmons has come up with the goods here. Check this out. It says, the Greek word for insight, which is asathesis, there, is used numerous times referring to practical understanding linked to life. Now he said, what did Paul say? I pray that your love grows. I pray your love abounds so that this is the result. Practical understanding linked to life. It is a word that implies walking out the truth that insight reveals. It could also be translated experience or to experience the reality of something, in this case love, and how to apply it to life. You can't tell me that love and the love of God is some wishy-washy emotional thing that has no context or grounding in real life. Because Philippians 1.9 says it. Whoo! Hmm. And as it grows, it matures in you and will give you practical insight and understanding. It's the key, man. Everyone say love is the key. Now, I want to just give you guys an example of this from a, a, a fella around in the 1600s called Brother Lawrence. Who's heard of Brother Lawrence before? Just a curious show of hands. All right. It's quite well known among, in some circles. Now, again, just part of the process that I've been on is I was, um, we were on the GCN and um, Pastor Lionel, who's one of the pastors who lives in um, New South Wales, he was on there and he was sharing about, um, he'd been reading Brother Lawrence's book called Practicing the Presence of God. And then, um, you know, I was kind of sharing where I'm kind of at and with what I was talking about with the love of God. And he's like, mate, you got to read this book. You got to check this out. So I started reading it. Now, just to give you some context, Brother Lawrence is actually, he was a monk in Paris who lived in Paris in the heart of Paris during the 1600s. And it was a very tumultuous time. Right, there was a bunch of power struggles, there was a lot of debt, perpetual unrest, and he worked in a monastery kitchen as the cook. Everyone say the cook. And he was a seemingly ordinary guy. They actually say he was quite clumsy. <laughs> he, he would say that about himself, which is interesting. But he got himself, the, the interesting thing about this fellow is he got himself to the point where he learned to walk in constant communion with God. Everyone say constant communion with God. Huh. To the point where he would say his awareness of God was the same when he was working in the kitchen as it was when he was in his prayer closet. That he began to say, I can't make a distinction anymore because, you know, they, they would be told by their superiors in the monastery there's set times to go and pray. And he wouldn't be able to distinguish from that time to when he was in a kitchen working with other people. His awareness of God didn't change. Ooh, yeah. And the people would say there was an ease about which he would operate and a peace that he would do all his daily activities in. Even in the hustle and bustle of a busy kitchen, he was able to never lose awareness of the presence of God. And regardless of his practical role that he found himself in, he found simple enjoyment in doing whatever was required of him for the love of God. Interesting. And people would actually come all over just to actually learn from this fella. You know the scripture that says First Thessalonians, 
it says in 5, 16, 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Who's tried that before? Who's failed before? <laughs> Miserably. <laughs> All right, but see, this, guy's, this guy actually got this thing down. He discovered the secret to praying without ceasing. And he called it constant conversation with God. Right, so I start reading the book. And guess what he describes as the key thing at the center of his life, as the primary motivation? Because I'm like, when I hear about a guy like that, I'm like, I want to know how he ticks. How did he say that he achieved this? You guys, is anyone else with me? All right, now this is what he says. We've got a quote up here. Now, it's in Old English, so or kind of a bit odd, but I'll, we'll break it down. That he had always been governed by love. Say governed by love. Without selfish views. Does that sound like anything we've been talking about? And that having resolved to make the love of God the end of all his actions, he had found reason to be well satisfied with this method, that he was pleased when he could take up a straw from the ground for the love of God, seeking him only and nothing else. Now, this is him actually talking about it himself. He said, I engaged in a religious life only for the love of God. Say the love of God. And I have endeavored to act only for him, whatever becomes of me. I will always continue to act purely for the love of God. I shall have this good at least, that till death I shall have done all that is in me to love him. And it hits me, right? Think about my journey. I'm praying, God, show me how to go deeper. God says, Aaron, the love is the key. Then I'm sitting on the GCN and Pastor Lionel's like, Aaron, you've got to read about Brother Lawrence. And this guy that walked in constant communion with God, whether he was busy in a kitchen at his job or whether he was in his prayer closet, and he's saying the primary motivation of everything that I do is what? Do you think we're onto something? <laughs> well, I'm excited. <laughs> Barry. Now, I feel like, you know, the dots are starting to connect, right? So what I want to do today is just talk about, just briefly, for the, the last little bit, I want to kind of go over a couple of key points that I've observed from Brother Lawrence. And there's a lot, by the way. I would encourage you, who's read the book before, by the way, Practicing the Presence of God? Man, awesome. I'd encourage you to get it. So the first one, most obvious, no extra points for getting it. Step one, he was motivated by the presence of God. Oh, sorry, the love of God. All right, he was governed by it, making the love of God the end of his actions and having all that is in him to love God. Now, so it's basically saying, in everything I do, my goal is to make the love of God the priority, right? Who knows the scripture about that? I'll answer it for you, Colossians 3, 23, 24. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Okay, so in your practical life, whatever you're doing, work as though you're working for Jesus. That's what it's saying. And this is what, this is what he would do. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you ser are serving is Christ. Say, so I'm working for Jesus. Now, my question is, what would life look like if the key central motivator for everything you did was the love of God? Would anything change? If my goal at the start of the day was to love him. And we know we can't make that happen, right? 
But as we receive his love, gain understanding of his love, the ability to love him back will grow. You know, one of the interesting things about Brother Lawrence is he said his, he just set his goal to make his life a bit as devoted to God as he could. He wasn't perfect, but that was his goal. And if you get serious about following God and wanting to honor him that way, this is what can happen, right? Now, you know, I found as well, actually, interestingly, in relationships, the quickest way to find peace is to make love the goal. Has anyone experienced that before? <laughs> I remember there's, there's a, a situation not, not too long ago where I was feeling tension in a relationship and it was a little, because it's bothering me. Does anyone get bothered by relationships? Am I alone? <laughs> and, and I was talking to God about it because that's what you do, right? You know, and praying my best prayers, God change him. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but, but God said to me, in the middle of that, he's like, hey, Aaron, what would it look like if you made love the primary motivation in this relationship? What would change? And I was kind of sitting there, I was like, okay. My goal is to love them, not be right or be heard or get my point, you know, across or win the argument. My, my, my goal is to love them, okay. So then I was like, okay, well, I just want the best for them. So I just started praying for them. And I'm telling you, all the like chaos inside, it was like, do you catch that? <laughs> That's right. Just letting that sink in. It's interesting that all the drama going on inside had to do with the fact that I was prioritizing something more selfish or more concerning me than what God says the goal is, right? And when I align with that, it's not, again, it's not magic, right? We, we said that before with the, it's not magic, it's just God's way. And when we like line up with God's way, what do we think is going to happen, right? <laughs> Everyone say it, come on, let's, let's hear that all together. One, two, three. Yes, you guys are the best. Man, God's ways are higher than our ways. All right, everyone say motivated and governed by love. That's number one. Now, number two, he would recognize that God is always near and intimately accessible. Okay, let's look at this. That we need only to recognize God intimately present with us to address ourselves to him every moment that we may beg his assistance. There's a key. Ask God for help for knowing his will in things doubtful and for rightly performing those which he plainly sees he requires of us, offering them to him before we do them and giving them thanks when they are done. That's another couple of little side notes. Before you do something, offering it as doing it as unto God and then when it's completed, thanking him for it. Interesting. Now he also says, but knowing only by the light of faith that God was present. He contented himself with directing all his actions to him, i.e. doing them with a desire to please God. Knowing only by the light of what? Only by the light of faith did he recognize or realize that what? God was present. Remember, key to a man that communed. communed. No, he communed with God daily. What's one of the keys? Faith. 
It doesn't say only by the light of his sensory awareness of God's presence. Although that's great if it's there. But the key to the daily communion or growing in that was in the light of faith. He knew that he knew that God was present. Everyone say God is present. Ephesians 2.13 says, Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. Everyone say delightfully close. What's the point? You need to know that you can come to him at any moment regardless of the state you're in, regardless of where you are or what time it is, and that he will always receive you. Like, I don't know what you've heard about God. I know I heard some stuff. And I know we can feel certain things that can get in the way. But maybe we should settle this right now. God is always present. Say that for me. Now, this is running the assumption that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and the blood of Jesus has now cleansed you of all your sin. If that's the case then God is always present. How do we know? Because the Bible tells me so. Right? That's faith. If you can cross that line, it's like, hey, he's always with me. Okay, now, what's the ramifications? Man, and powerful things. If you're convinced of this, right, then anytime you want to speak to God, or if you're not convinced of this, I should say, like I have been in the past, then anytime you want to go to speak to God, you'll probably go through some form of assessing yourself process or need to do some kind of spiritual activity to get yourself in the zone so that you can approach Him. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm not saying spiritual activities are bad. Hello, they're good. But I wonder if we recognize how good he is and how much he loves us and by applying a little bit of faith to that reality, we'll realize just how easy it is to approach him every single moment of every day. Not because you're doing well and you're having a good day and you woke up with just like the shout to the Lord in your spirit. Do you know what I mean? You know, for me, I realized I had this subconscious idea that if I wanted to engage with God, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say, oh, dear, this is what I think, but it was in my subconscious that if I want to engage with God, then I had to make sure everything was perfect just so I could have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, I want to talk to God. I've got to like, you know, shut the door, get some mood music on, get the lighting right. Nobody bother me, right? I need everything right because I'm going to try and talk to God. Now, how many know that's good to have private time with God? But what, I was thinking about this, like, what if you approached your marriage like that? The only time you talk, or any time you want to communicate anything, then I've got to, like, make sure the lights are right. Get that, get that date music on, whatever it is. You can choose, yeah. And it's like, get the mood right, just so I can be like, hey, hon, how you doing? That's weird, right? Right? Come on. Is that weird? All right, now, is date night a good idea? Yes, Betty Good, right? All the married people said? Amen, right. 
it's important. But if I have to do that, like, then my communication is going to be incredibly limited to a very small window of that time with God or when He happens to get my attention and pull me out of my day. Are you with me? Man, what I'm saying is I realize this as I'm reading this book that, you know, I don't have to wait to prayer time to communicate with him. You know, the Bible says he has become our loving father that we can approach without fear at all times, each and every day. Now, that's true. Now, think about this. Mia, can you come up here for a sec, baby? Look at this kid. Come here. I know, pastor embarrassing their daughter up there. She's, look at this gorgeous kid, right? Think about it. Now, she is the child of Aaron and Rebecca. You are children of God. Everyone say child of God. And now look at this kid. Look at, see, look at this gorgeous human being, right? Who in their right mind, if she comes to me, if she came to you to ask for help, who in your right mind would turn her away? Or be like, you know what? You need to go fix yourself up, get it sorted, and come to me when you're better. Like, is that conceivable in any measure? No, no, I'm telling you, like, if this kid wants my attention, my child, it doesn't matter what is going on, what time of day it is, it doesn't matter if it's an important thing or just to say hi, when she comes to say what she wants to interact with me, a little bit of my heart just leaps a little bit. Come on, dads, who knows what I'm talking about? I know we're men and we're all tough, but do you know what I'm saying? That little bit, you get excited. And whether she's, you know, asking for help with some homework, whether she just wants to say hi or she's trying to, like, butter me up for the next Apple product or something, whatever's going on, she doesn't do that. Or does she? <laughs> anyway, would you, you guess you're done. Give, give me your hand. Come on. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's ridiculous to think that I would turn her away at any moment of any day. And I'm an imperfect, well, mostly perfect earthly father. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? But I'm an imperfect human father. You've got the perfect version. Yeah. The 1.0, the original, right? The original father. Like, and I think you think about it, and it's like now I'm talking about it and thinking about it. I'm like, what was I thinking? I can come to him at any moment. Right? Let's try it right now, real quick. Woo. Let's just become aware. Now, by faith, let's become aware of God and start talking to him, just quietly. Thank you, Father, that you're here with us right now. Thank you for your presence. Just start to thank him for a second. Hmm. All right, cool. <laughs> now, you know, right, you can approach God the same way, but why? Because of the, come on, people, yes. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have boldness, right, to come before him. So as you're going about your day, part of practicing communi or continual communion with God is just recognizing that. I don't need to like get into a 15-minute prayer meeting to say hi to God today. Or I'm on the job site, or I'm in the kitchen, or I'm cooking dinner. It's just, hey, Father, I love you. You know, I, I started like practicing it. It's amazing how easy it is. 
And it's like, it's not about being complicated and I don't need to like be attempting to win the world's best prayer award. Just turning your affection. Brother Lawrence actually, he has a word for this. He says, the practice of directing your thoughts towards God. Man. Say, speaking to God is easy. God is near and intimately accessible. All right. Last one. You guys okay? Let's wrap this up. It's repenting with faith in God's forgiveness and moving on. This is interesting. Thinking about, I'm thinking about like just looking at the keys of this 16th century like monk. And this was one of the big keys. Now let's have a look at this. He said that when he had failed in his duty... He only confessed his fault, saying to God, I shall never do otherwise if you leave me to myself. Right, what's that recognizing? I can't do this by myself, God. But he, when, he, when he realized he'd fallen or stumbled, he confessed his fault and he said, it's you who must hinder my falling and mend what is amiss. That after this, he gave himself no further uneasiness about it. So he recognized he'd stuffed up or sinned or fallen or failed, recognize it, confession, recognize God, I need your help with this, and then don't think about it again. You with me? That he was very sensible of his faults, but not discouraged by them. How many of you are aware of your faults? Right? Cool. But you ought not be discouraged by them. That's interesting thought, right? That he confessed them to God, but he did not plead against him to excuse them. When he had had so done, he peaceably, everyone say peaceably, his usual practice of love and adoration. Right, last one. That we ought without anxiety. Everyone say without anxiety. Expect the pardon of our sins. From the blood of Jesus Christ, only endeavoring to love him with all your hearts. We ought to, because of the blood of Jesus, expect forgiveness for our sin when we stuff up. Do you expect that? I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. You know what? That's kind of, I don't know if that like kind of hits a trigger for you. It's like, that sounds a little presumptuous, right? Has anyone felt that before? I don't want to presume like, but it's like, think about it. Is God faithful and just to forgive us? Is that scripture? So when you stuff up and you recognize it, Now, we're not talking about just being casual about sin and going, oh, it doesn't matter because there's grace. No, that's a whole other thing entirely, and that's scary. I'm talking about you stuff up, and you you become aware of it. You don't go looking for all the stuff. You stuff up, oh, man, God, I'm so sorry. That's not who I am. I am now expecting your pardon and forgiveness. I receive it by faith, and now I'm just going to move on like it's never happened. Does that feel controversial to anyone or uncomfortable? Just to me, right? <laughs> but this is good. Remember, keys to a man who lived in constant communion. Without anxiety, expect the pardon. So what's the point? When he failed, everyone say failed, confessed his faults, acknowledged his great need for God's help, and recognizing he needed God's power to do the changing. And then he moved on. Everyone say moved on. He was aware of his failures, but not discouraged by them. He would simply confess when they came up and then peaceably resumed loving and adoring God. He expected God to forgive him his sin without any concern. Now, you know, like if you 
if you can get to that kind of place, like it actually makes coming to God very easy. Because whether you've done well or whether you've done poorly, or you're anywhere in between, and it's not expecting perfection. You know, he was like, he would set out to just spend all this time focused on God. Do you think he achieved that straight away? Not at all. But when he recognized he hadn't been thinking of God, he just like pulled himself back. Okay. Do you think, like I think Brendan might have said it on um, Sunday. It's like, do you think your sin is greater than God's love? I wonder sometimes, do we think that? It's like, no, his love is so much bigger. And again, does he care? Is he like soft on sin? Nah. Like we read our Bible, that's not the case. But he's made the way to deal with it and you're not just a sinner out there ready for judgment now, right? You've been given the spirit of what? Sonship. You're part of the family now. It's a different way to operate. How many know the devil would love you to be focused on your shortcomings? Does anyone agree? Who here experiences the devil loving to remind you of how you fail? (laughs) Welcome to the club, right? But God would have you focused on just how much he loves you. And why? Like we said at the start, because that's the way you change. That's where the power to love him with all your heart comes from. That's where the power to actually show the world a love that is beyond what they've experienced comes from. Not from, oh, I've got to try and be a good Christian now. I've got to make sure I just bite my lip and try and say the right thing to that person. Doesn't mean we don't put effort in, right? I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. But you know what I'm saying? We've got to acknowledge where the real source comes from, right? It takes faith in the blood of Jesus to live like this. Not looking for your faults. Hmm, all right. Takes a level of comprehension of his great love. Thankfully, he's made a way for each one of us to be able to grow up with a sufficient understanding of his love. Man, I want to encourage you guys today, respond. If you want to go deeper with God, respond. You know, I feel like prophetically it's kind of, you know, it's, it's always an invitation, right? But I feel like he's highlighting this in this season for us. There's an opportunity to lean into and engage with God's love for you. And it's the most selfless thing you can do. If you, once you see the impact of what your life will be like for other people. Whew. All right, I'm going to quickly read two little quotes to leave you. And then we're going to wrap this up. That in order to form a habit of conversing with God continually and referring all we do to him, we must first apply to him with some diligence. Everyone say, with some diligence. What does that mean? A little bit of discipline. You've got to actually put some effort in. You're building a habit, right? But after a little while... After a little care, we should find his love inwardly excite us to it without any difficulty. You put a little bit of discipline, it's called the, like the principle of discipline to delight, right? Right? It's like you got to get started, start making some decisions and working on it. And you know, thankfully, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love, right? And it's actually, well, that actually can be translated discipline, self-discipline. You've been given a spirit of self-discipline. 
You might be like, man, I'm the most undisciplined person. I can't get it together and I just can't make this happen and I just keep wanting to do it, but I can't do it. <laughs> what does the Bible say you've been given? Ooh, everyone say, I've been given the spirit of self-discipline. Amen. <laughs> you don't sound too excited about that. But after a little care, we'll find his love inwardly excite us to it without any difficulty. Now, last, last little quote here, that we might accustom ourselves to a continual conversation with him. Let's get used to it with freedom. Everyone say freedom. freedom. And simplicity. It's probably the biggest key of the day for this, right? Be yourself. The gospel is simple. It's specific, but it's simple. And be free to engage with God the way you do. And you do it, right? So this is what he's saying, right? You know, Pastor Kay, I love her example. You know her prayer lists? Anyone remember her talking about her prayer lists? You know what she's saying? She was saying, it's like, you know, I don't like spend like 25 minutes in intercession over every person on my list. Right, who's got time for that? But she's saying, she just goes to her list and brings them before God, and it's like, oh God, and bless this person, and bless this person, and bless this person. A simple prayer in faith will do a whole lot more than a three-hour prayer meeting of hullabaloo, right? Yeah? I'm not saying all prayer meetings are hullabaloo, right? But simplicity. Turn your affection towards God. It's not like hard. It's like, hey, hey God, I just turn my affection to him. Hey, Lord, you're awesome. I just did it again. <laughs> Friends, what do we say at the beginning? Love is the key. Everyone say, love is the key. Whew. His great love for you. All right, why don't you stand? We're going to wrap this up. Woo. So we're going to do communion groups tonight. But just before we um, do that, I actually want to read, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion. I'm going to pray it over you, Paul's Prayer for you to receive strength to comprehend God's love for you. So would you just lift your hands, and I want you to get into a posture of receiving, if you don't mind, you're, you're totally free, right? But remember, it's important you're not trying too hard. If I was going to give you a Christmas gift, you just are ready to grab that gift, right? You're not trying. But I believe tonight that we're going to have an impartation. Now, that doesn't mean you will feel something. You might feel something, and if you do, awesome. But by faith tonight... I want you to receive an impartation of a revelation of the love of God for you. All right, you guys ready? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We acknowledge your constant presence with us, Holy Spirit. Hmm. Lord, I thank you for every person here in this room. Whew. I thank you for your fiery, uncomfortable love that you have for them, God. God, that makes any of their faults, any of their secret sins, any of the mistakes of their past become like ash and dust. Whew. You know, I just felt, got a sense of, sense of that. I feel like tonight, you know, some of you, you know, that have struggled to let go of things in the past or things that are going on, when God's fiery love hits you and that revelation gets down deep, 
that effect of the past on your life, man, gets burned up. And I just thank you, Father, tonight for your fiery love in the room. And God, so we kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray, God, that You would unveil within us, God, the unlimited riches of Your glory and favour until supernatural strength floods our innermost being with Your divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using our faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside us and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of our life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astounding love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is this love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. For He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest requests. your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energises you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet to be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Now come on, let's offer up some praise to God. Come on, let's offer up some praise and thanks. Woo. Yes, come on, just stay in that place just for another moment. God, we thank you for it tonight. Hey, hey, hey. You know, in worship tonight, I actually just saw like, I saw this like big half coliseum in the um, in like what I felt like was the heavenly realm, and I felt like it was the cloud of witnesses. And actually, I was talking to Pastor Lucci. She said the same. She saw the same thing in worship. You know, the thing is, you've got a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. Whew. Man, you're not going through anything that hasn't been already experienced. Whew. So we thank you for that tonight, God. Man, now just in this atmosphere, I just want to ask if there's anyone here that doesn't know this God of love we're talking about. Oh, Shabbat Hyundai, man. I just want to, I just want to invite you. If you don't know God as your as your loving Lord and Savior, that tonight is an incredible opportunity for you to do that. And anyone watching online as well, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus. You know, the thing is, there's a couple of things we need to do. You must admit that you're a sinner. You must turn away from your sin into Christ. 
and we must trust Him as our Saviour and follow Him as Lord. And then God promises that when we do this, He'll save us, He will make you His child, like I've been talking about tonight, and you'll live with Him forever. Man. I just want to read a quick quote too from Billy Graham. He says, Biblical salvation is far deeper because it gets to the root of our problem. The problem is sin. Only Christ can change the human heart and replace greed and hate with compassion and love. So I just want to ask quickly, if there's anyone in the room at all that you would like to give your life to Jesus tonight, would you just lift your hand so we can see you right now? Is there anyone at all? Some of our guys will see you. With every, oh, head bowed and eyes closed. Sorry, let's give them some privacy too. Come on. Come on, is there anyone here? Whew. All right, well, I think we're all a bunch of fiery Christians in this room. Thank you, Jesus. All right. 